And I remind you, as we're about to introduce, and we're not going to start the Facebook video yet, but in a minute we will, uh, we're about to introduce Miriam Pascal, into, who's in our studio. I remind you that if you head to artscroll.com between now and Sunday night, exclusively for JM and AM and Nahum Siegel Network listeners, 20% off and free shipping on the brand new book, if you use promo code radio, again, use promo code radio, and you've got 20% off and free shipping on the brand new book by Miriam Pascal. Not bad, huh? By the way, uh, listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena have checked in from Florida. A big happy birthday shout out to Arya Lave Gifter of Staten Island celebrating birthday number two. We're so excited to see you in a few weeks. We can't wait to give you your birthday schmush in person, she says. Continuing the celebration, best wishes for a very happy birthday to Arya Labe's Tati, the number one son-in-law by Yaakov Gifter, the one who made us a schwer and schfigur. It's all your fault. And Yaakov, is wonderful having you in Shoshana with us to celebrate this week. We hope you have a great birthday. Wish you a fabulous year ahead filled with good health, simcha, and abundant nachas. With much love from Bubby and Zadie, Florida. And we call them, of course, Listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena down in Florida. And we are set to do our Facebook Live video. Go to Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Go to Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, and uh, you'll be able to uh, view our face-to-face conversation with the legend, Miriam Pascal, who's out with a brand-new book called More Real-Life Kosher Cooking. And it's rare that I read a full um, uh, bio or description on the air, but in this case, I'm going to. It's quite impressive. Miriam Pascal is the founder of of OvertimeCook.com, one of the world's leading destinations for kosher recipes with hundreds of thousands of monthly visitors. A self-taught cook and baker, Miriam shares her passion for recipes, food, and photography on her website, as well as in her popular food column in Mishpacha Magazine's Family Table. Her dessert cookbook, Something Sweet, enhanced her reputation as the go-to source for easy-to-prepare delicious kosher recipes. Its success was followed by her best-selling real-life kosher cooking, which sold out of its first printing in only 10 days. Miriam has garnered a large and loyal following of home cooks who appreciate her expertise and experience in creating simple, family-friendly recipes that fit the lifestyles of busy people who want to serve nutritious and delicious meals. Miriam's work has been featured by numerous national magazines and other media, including us at JM and the AM. The book is called More Real Life Kosher Cooking approachable recipes for memorable dishes. Miriam Pascal, welcome to JM in the AM. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It is nice to have you here. And we should note, by the way, as Gedalia Zlotowicz noted yesterday, that, uh, and, and as I just mentioned during the intro, uh, you are not only an expert uh, cook and uh, and baker, but also a noted photographer. And all the pictures, if what he told us yesterday was accurate, in this book, including the delicious-looking covers... All those photographs were taken by you. That is true. I how, took all my own pictures. How did that develop? Because I was told one of the most important parts of a cookbook is the photography. How did it develop that instead of going out to, I guess, somebody with an unbelievable photographic reputation that you were able to get to the point that you were able to do this yourself? Um, so when I started writing recipes, I started just with my blog, OvertimeCook.com. Um, it was really just a hobby, and I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person so when i do something i like to do it right <laughs> yeah so i said if i'm gonna do this i have to learn how to take pictures really nicely so I and did. you studied and, the art of photography um i self-taught wow. i read a lot i spoke to everybody i ever met who was a photographer um if you look at if you go to my website and look at the earliest posts back in 2011 you'll see that i did not start out doing very nice pictures <laughs> my pictures are terrible <laughs> I, i'm sometimes tempted to 
um, take them down from the website, but I'm actually proud of how far I've come. So, you know, when you see those really bad pictures, if you want to learn a, a skill or something, it can kind of motivate you to say, hey, I can get better. And we were told yesterday, or more accurately, we were reminded yesterday that you are you actually do photography for other people's cookbooks one of the people that frequents the chair you're in right now is naomi nachman yes our I, very own Aussie gourmet and and you've done photography for her cookbooks. that is correct i did um naomi's two cookbooks perfect yeah. for pesach and perfect flavors i photographed those and i photographed my three cookbooks so that brings me up to five cookbooks we mentioned this yesterday and i wonder if you could describe it um I mean, the pictures are, would you say, are everything? The pictures are 90% of it? The pictures are what when it comes to trying to sell what you're baking and cooking for this cookbook? That's a very good question. Um, I don't know if I can say a percentage, but definitely people are so visual nowadays. And, you know, in the early days of Art School Cookbook, Susie Fishbein was like a pioneer. She was the earliest Art School Cookbook author um, she started having, not for every recipe, but she started having photos. And that really changed the game for kosher cookbooks right. because people suddenly were like, hey, we can see what the food should look like. <laughs> that was a novelty. There was a and, time, and kids may find this hard to believe, when kosher cookbooks were text only. Exactly. And that was it. And, and we don't mean texting. We mean words, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but so the, the interesting thing is that as as people got more used to that, it kind of became a requirement. And now right. it's hard to imagine that anyone could sell a cookbook without a lot of photos. Miriam Pascal is here, which means there are tens of thousands of people that are excited right now because they're aware of the because you have tens of thousands of followers um, right yes and they're I, aware of the fact that you're here this morning i would assume i, I just posted a selfie in this chair very I think nice it, it looks cool with the headphones yes. and the mic <laughs> you, look, you look great with the headphones that's true how long does this take and i'm holding this up to the camera facebook.com slash Nahum single network how long does this take you sit down with preparatory notes of what this more real-life kosher cooking cookbook will hopefully become. And then finally, the final product is out. How much longer? How much after that? So my last cookbook, um, Real Life Kosher Cooking, came out in November 2017. Okay. Um, as you mentioned before, it was very, very crazy and unbelievable that it happened. It sold out of the first printing in 10 days. Yeah, that must have been amazing. And that yeah, that was crazy. And that really, like spurred me on i was like i have to do it again was that hanukkah related was it very close um, to the holiday it was hanukkah black friday it was uh, on sale on on amazon cool. and there was a lot of hype Baruch Hashem, people were loving it um but more than the fact that it sold out is what happens when the book comes out it's the most amazing and gratifying feeling is the sales are nice obviously i won't sure. lie i want everybody to buy the book but the gratifying thing is that every time i open my phone um between facebook instagram emails texts WhatsApps, every, my phone is blowing up with people telling me either photos of food they made or telling me their Shabbos menu with like everything from the cookbook. And it's so gratifying because the work that goes in is intense. I can't, it's hard to explain to anyone who hasn't been involved in writing a cookbook. I always tell people who are thinking of writing one, I say, however much work you think it is, multiply it by like a hundred and you're not there yet. <laughs> so it's so much work. And I like basically gave up two years of my life to do this. Wow. And, um, it, it's really well worth it now because it's like, oh, people love it. Right. And like, there's like that moment when it comes out and you're like, will people love it? And then when they do, it's like, it's amazing. And it's that's what spurred me on. And I was like, I got to do it again. I'm going to ask so you I to started, raise that microphone. Mary, oh, sure. I started almost immediately working on my um, on my next cookbook, which became more real life kosher cooking. And people sometimes say that the second book in a series is not as good as the first. So my goal from the very beginning of writing this was that it should be better 
than the first. And some people also say you need a little bit of a break between the two. It sounds like you didn't have much of a break between the two. Yeah, it, it was a little, <laughs> it was a little intense. Um, people say it's kind of like having a baby. You need you know you need your postpartum right. time, and I I didn't I didn't have much of a break. I went kind of straight from one into the other. Do you plan on breaking and now? For yes, a- yes. I promised myself before it came out because I know myself by now that I would get tempted. So I promised myself I will not think about it for some time. You know, we've been touting, and Miriam Pascal is here. We're talking about the brand new cookbook. And by the way, I have to mention, if you're an Alchem Single listener, don't forget, you can go between now and Sunday to the website and save 20% and get free shipping if you use the promo code radio. Use the promo code radio at artsworld.com. It's called More Real Life Kosher Cooking, and Miriam Pascal's in our studio. I, I've been joking, but in, in a way, and you'll see this once the, uh, the, once the morning ends for you, um, uh, in a way, it's true. I said, you're here and sitting with me. Uh, I am somebody who loves to eat food. Later this morning, you're going to be speaking to Mary Malwalek. She loves to cook food. So, But there's somebody else in this whole system you need to be aware of. And that is why you, you're probably wondering, why are all these Post-its in the copy, <laughs> in the copy of the book that Nahum Siegel is holding? Why are there so many little Post-its here? And the answer is that Stacey Siegel herself was given an assignment last night. Okay. Uh, especially with the uh, concept in mind that's been bandied about here a few times, which is that if you uh, have a brand new cookbook and get three, four really good recipes out of it that you add to your repertoire, then it was a really worthwhile investment. I think that's important, by the way, to tell people. They don't have to fall in love with 20, 25 recipes. They fall in love with three or four they incorporate. It's a, it's a big victory. Right. right. They've added to their Shabbos, Yontav, and regular meals. Uh, so I said to Stacey Siegel, do me a favor. And because usually when it's someone like yourself comes into the studio, I'll flip through things and tell you about some of the things I really enjoy uh, and some of the dishes I love. I said, do me a favor, take a couple of Post-its and, you know, mark some of the things. Well, wow. you, you think she overdid it? You think, you think this is a little a little how, overboard, Miriam? How many would you estimate there? <laughs> There's at least 25 here in my wow. opinion. Uh, but let me tell you something. That's an honor. <laughs> I'll let her know that, but she's made my she's made my morning a little bit more difficult. The first thing, and it's funny that she wrote that she um, uh, marked this one because it's one of the ones that caught my eye: the wontons and garlic sauce. Now, any good sauce with a good wonton is an amazing combination. Would you agree? Um, absolutely. I'm I'm glad you picked that one to oh, mention good. first because that is a Pascal family favorite. Nice. Um, pretty much every entif I have to make that as the appetizer for. I always host like one big meal for my whole family. And if that's not the appetizer, everybody gets because upset. The They're like, why do we come? <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about, and I hate, to, I hate to sound too much like someone who loves food, but hey, after all, that's what this is all about. There is something about the way that dough on a wonton comes out, plus the combination with any really good sauce, and this one looks great. Absolutely. That just made, and that's why your family and, and so many others yeah. love it. Then she, uh, then she uh, marked the apricot lime glazed chicken wings. I think this was a tip of the hat to me. My favorite food, as people know, if I had to have a go-to dinner every night, is chicken wings. I just love chicken wings in all the different Excellent. varieties. All different things. You probably have even more than just this one chicken wing recipe in your repertoire, I would guess. There are probably plenty um, of them. Yeah, this in this book, there's just the one. But, yeah, oh, saying, I, in I, this book, there's the know, latest one, right? By the way, I have I have in the in the recipe in a variation. Have you ever tried anything in an air fryer? I have, but I was never impressed. What are you okay. suggesting? Chicken wings will convert you to an air fryer lover. I promise you they will taste like they're deep fried. Interesting. Try that. And I put the instructions in the recipe for an air fryer option because that's how much I love chicken wings in the air fryer. And you claim that if you uh, leave it in there for 12 minutes and then flip them for another 12 minutes, that's all it will and take. And then six more minutes at a higher temperature. Oh, and then cook them at six minutes, right? A yeah, little bit so of a higher it's, temperature. it's a little more involved than baking it in the oven, but they will taste deep fried. The crispiest chicken wings you'll ever eat. Interesting. All right. And believe me, as I always say, I'm an expert at chicken wings. I'm going to have to try that. Uh, you have notes 
on these recipes, which I assume are tips that people should keep in mind as they make them, right? Yes. And you also have a section called Plan Ahead. Uh, and this is so brilliant in my opinion. Thank because, you. because today, if there's one thing that scares the male and female chefs in our community, it's that they have a lack of time. People just don't exactly. have enough prep time on a typical night when they're making dinner for their family. And even on a short Friday, when it's the only time Absolutely. they have to prepare. It's very, so you have a Plan Ahead section. Hey, guys, in this recipe... This item and or these items can be done in advance, even a day or two in advance. What would be a perfect example of that, of something that could be done a day or two in advance and just left in the fridge until you need it at the last minute to prepare it? Okay, so let's go back to those wontons. Sure. Um, you can actually make those, freeze them, either raw, which is preferable, and then you can boil them fresh, or you can even boil them, freeze them. You want to do it between layers of parchment paper so that they don't stick together. Right. And then you can make the sauce, stick it in the fridge for a week. And then let's say, uh, going back to Yantif, which is when I always serve those, Yantif morning, I leave a flame on over Yantif. I heat up the sauce. I add the wontons, heat them up in the sauce. Delicious. And you would say it has zero effect on the taste. It's a, it, it, you, you could get away with saying it almost tastes fresh. Almost, yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to say that freezing has zero right, effect, right. but absolutely delicious. I saw, Every single one will be eaten. Right. I saw one in one of your falafel recipes. Where you suggested that the actual falafel pieces, I think it is, or falafel, I don't remember the exact one. Also, people, or and a hummus recipe, I think as well, you literally could put this in your fridge for two days and forget about it. Absolutely. And then bring it out and start preparing. And I'll tell you how this came about, the, yeah. the plan ahead. Um, Someone I'm very, was panicking? <laughs> well, I'm very lucky that I have um, a lot of followers, and I'm, I, have, I feel like it's a close relationship. I talk to them all the time on various social networking sites. Um, I, I'm hearing from them constantly. So I've learned a lot. I'm doing this for over eight, for about eight and a half years now, and I've learned so much from the questions that people ask. So early on, I started to realize that every time I posted a recipe, the first question was, can I freeze this? Can I make this ahead? How can I make this for Shabbos? And so I said, why wait for everybody to ask? I can put it right into the recipe Phenomenal. and not, not even make them ask. And by the way, I might add, as I remind everybody to go out and get the book, I might add, that for some people who say, you know what, I, I, I have plenty of recipes, I don't need to add more, etc. This plan ahead section in each recipe is a very, it, it, yeah. in and of itself is valuable for this cookbook. Yeah, I, so I heard from someone, I love that she said that she feels annoyed at every other cookbook now when it doesn't have a plan ahead. Because right. it's like, wait, I'm, I'm used to that. Did you include those in your first book as well? <laughs> All three of my cookbooks, ah. and I do that also. Recipes I write in Mishpacha magazine, I do that. And recipes on my blog, I do that. Very it's, smart. Very why smart. wait for people to ask? Very I know they smart. will. <laughs> Miriam Pascal is here. The brand new book is called More Real Life Kosher Cooking. Approachable recipes for memorable dishes. If you go to uh, artscroll.com, 20% off and free shipping if you use the promo code radio. And we're taking full advantage of the fact that Miriam is here visiting us this morning. A pull-apart appetizer pie. Do you know why I think Stacy Siegel went ahead and marked this one? Because of the way it looks. Exactly. It, it, it is delicious, I'm sure. And she loves preparing for Thanksgiving. She prepared the most amazing appetizer platter. Uh, but I think the way this looks yeah. has a tremendous attraction. Exactly. It's it. That's the kind of thing I love about in recipes is like something you're familiar with, but just enough of a twist to make it new and exciting. So. Right. Uh, how would you describe this, by the way? Uh, what is this on? It's sitting on, it's, it's a bunch of appetizers. Um, they're, 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 you kind of bake like sitting on a top, cutting board. Would that be it? Well, this is a cutting board. Right. The version in the book is actually the, that's a variation, which is another thing I include a lot of in the book. Um, the original one is just to bake it in a pan. So the idea is that you have hot dogs and blankets, potato knishes, deli rolls. They kind of bake together and make a really beautiful presentation. Very cool. 
Uh, crispy onion strings. Tell me about these. <laughs> okay. So if I'm in a restaurant and they have homemade onion rings on the menu, <laughs> oh, I'm not God. talking about the ones from the freezer. I know what you mean. Fire. Trust me, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, there are a I will order place, those There are every a couple time. of places we can talk about that have <laughs> yeah. unbelievable onion rings. Absolutely. So I'll order them every time. And my friend who I mentioned in the intro, when we go out together, it's like... No question, we're going to order those. So that's my nod to the to the restaurant version that I made myself. Um, all right. So if you want a great, uh, what do we call it? Onion fries? Onion fries recipe? I what do we call it? Onion crispy onion strings. Onion strings. Well, right, I did it instead onion of onion rings because it's right. easier, and I'm always about making things as easy as possible. Got that. All right. She also designated the eggplant and Japanese yam salad. Oh, that's a great one. I, I've never heard of that combination until I saw your book. Frankly, well, I you know. That recipe came about when I just was looking through the fridge for something to make. I found eggplants. I found <laughs> Japanese yams. I was like, well, that's all right. let's, see. That's a, that's let's a, see if it goes together. That's, <laughs> and a, it did. that's a legal procedure. Just look what's in the fridge and combine them. So, sometimes the best recipes happen that way. <laughs> Heavy autumn vegetable soup. I think this was, again, something that she did for me. She knows that I love thick vegetable soup. And this one, based on your picture, I mean, this is the yeah, epitome of thickness. It is comfort food in a bowl. Yeah, and and it looks like a chili. It look, I mean, that's how thick it is. Yeah, it's like it's almost a, yeah somewhere between a soup and a stew. It's excellent. Very good. And you have a, a whole bunch of great soups here, including the portobello lentil soup. Yeah, very filling. Which looks also the same thing. It has that look as yeah, if it's a... very uh, hearty, very filling. Exactly. And as usual, uh, usually we get past the halfway mark of these conversations. I'm still sitting on the soups and appetizers <laughs> and the desserts and the and the main dishes are getting jealous that we haven't even uh, yeah, I want Yeah, I want to hear what, you, what, you, what she chose in the, there. <laughs> well, look at this one. She designated the spinach chicken burgers. Again, a combination I've never thought of. Now, are you literally preparing... The uh the the raw meat with spinach you know together and that's and you yeah just... so it's so it's awesome I, I don't know if you can if you even notice in the picture but that's not a bun that's um two portobello mushrooms holy so this cow. is a super healthy recipe actually there's um it's ground chicken which is healthier than ground meat um spinach which is super healthy mushrooms lettuce tomato it's like the satisfaction of biting into a big juicy burger but can it's... you pick up a portobello mushroom uh, bun. And 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 it'll have the sturdiness of a regular um, one. I mean, it's it's a little messier, probably. So fork and knife the, may help. No, I, I I've eaten it as you a sandwich. Do it. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. I'll tell you. Yeah. Any excuse, get something healthy in the uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> into the recipe. The red wine and shallot glazed corned beef. Now look, you know those of us who love to eat have had a lot of corned beef in our lives. Yeah. And different variations of it. What makes this one so unique? Well, I don't like. I know in the in the from world a lot of people are very into their meats having very sweet sauces. Correct. I don't love that, and my family's not so into that. So this is sweet, but not overly sweet. There's the nice tang from the balsamic vinegar, and it's just it's more balanced, and I love that. Very cool. One pot cheesy spinach pasta. How can you go wrong with this one? It's impossible. <laughs> and it's super easy, also. Yeah. What is it like? Four steps, and that's the end of it. Yeah, because you, you don't even boil the noodles separately. You you make a cream spinach mixture, you add some milk, and you add the pasta, and the pasta cooks right there in the milk. It's all one pot, super easy. Have you heard from a lot of people that really had nothing to do with kitchen activity until they got, until they got in my, contact with your cookbook? My favorite comment ever, I think, was someone told me that I increased her shalom bias because her husband thinks she became a better cook, and really she's just been making all my recipes. Isn't and, that awesome? And, and it is awesome. And what's funny is that um, there are young people out there who are who are fearful that they're not going to have enough of a you know cooking repertoire. Let's put it that way. And then they 
you know, get a hold of a book like this and, and they build their confidence and they expand. They're, they're people who are cooks and not bakers. And then they'll pick up something like this and all of a sudden they, they can't believe they're actually, and, and cooking and baking are very different, Very right? different, yeah. And you're doing both, obviously, since I the love beginning. both. What, what, cooking is, and baking, it's like art and science. Like, baking is very scientific. And if you're not very, very skilled in baking, I always say don't play around with the recipes. With cooking, totally play around. Right. You know, try it the right way and then add your own touches. With baking, you have to really follow the recipe because it's much more scientific. So a lot more versatility on the cooking side. Yeah, probably. Right. That's, or, that's or, or innovation or whatever you want to call it. Right. You, know? you can definitely have more, like, Impromptive. more freedom and yeah right. all right interesting yeah um caramelized onion and cheese monocotti now uh it, you know any good lasagna monocotti etc you know we uh, uh we <laughs> one of the things we love the most about it is right. the cheese but caramelized onion that's yeah, for, for a lot of people like that's a, and, yeah that's a that's a different twist to it absolutely that's what i like i said i love to do that take a recipe you're familiar with add a twist to make it exciting <laughs> glazed potatoes this is your take on I, there are probably a million glazed potatoes out there, but this is your this take is, on This it. is what I make on Yentif, because like I mentioned, I keep the burner on, and I can ma- I like to make things fresh. So I, I'm always looking for stovetop side dishes, because roasted potatoes are not good the next day. So I don't want to do them out of Yentif, so I'm always looking for ideas for something I can do on the stovetop, and, and this is my new, my favorite. And before we mention a couple of the desserts, how does one decide what goes on the cover of a cookbook? I mean... You have a, I'm being serious now. Those who know me know I'm really, I'm being serious about this. You have a whole chicken on the cover of your cookbook. I, I could imagine that if we had a committee of cookbook people here, if we had 20 people here, 10 would say that's a good idea, and 10 might say a whole chicken on the cover of a cookbook. What's your, what, what were you thinking on this one? Um, so, it's funny <laughs> you ask about this because there's, I mean, in general, I'm the kind of person who overthinks things, but um, there's nowhere that I overthink more than cu- the cookbook cover. It right. is the including most, the back cover. Um, the back cover, not as much because we don't. I don't take a photo special. It's usually a collage of pictures, mm-hmm. but taking a photo special for the cover. Um, I think Rebbe Zlato, it's um, Gedalia's father, um, Al Shalom. He used to say, I think it was him who used to say that. Um, people say don't b- judge a book by its cover, but they never tried selling them. Correct. And absolutely, um, you know, people and Rabbi Gadali's lado it also says that the the cover is your kind of audition for people to open the book. Right. They walk into a store and are they going to open it? It depends if the cover intrigues them. So I put so much thought and so lose so much sleep over with the that cover. in mind. With that in mind, it's funny that a whole chicken, potatoes, avocado, and salad, which are some of the most basic items. In the Jewish kosher menu, right, in the household mm-hmm. menu, it's funny that those are the ones that ended up on the front cover. So I'll tell you a few things. Firstly, there was a lot of thought into kind of portraying a balanced meal. So I wanted a protein, a starch, and a vegetable. Good. I didn't want it to be, seem too healthy because obviously this is uh, balances everything to me. Sure. Um, but I also didn't want it to seem too unhealthy. So it was. I was thinking, you know, how can I sort of portray that? And I mean, this is a balanced meal, right? You have chicken, potatoes, <laughs> get salad. Get it's it's very balanced, and so it was. And obviously, you want to think about color. You want to think about how things look. Um, in terms of proteins, it was hard because a lot of chickens that taste really good don't necessarily look really good. Some of the ones that look really good, like for example, I have a delicious lemon chicken popper recipe, and mm-hmm. they're you know, little fried nuggets of chicken, which is great. But again, I'm trying to portray balance, and that's like a Hanukkah special thing, not an everyday thing. Oh, it sounds like um, you want you want it to be easily identifiable. Yeah, People will realize absolutely. that that's a chicken recipe. So, right? and, and also, there is definitely a nostalgia factor, because um, growing up, 
Shabbos dinner, Friday night dinner, every single week. Um, I hope my mother, my mother and father hear this because they're going to be laughing. Every single week without fail was a whole roasted chicken. There was never any straying from that ever. Tradition so is a, tradition. Yeah, huh? exactly. So that's definitely a nostalgia factor also. And this kind of, the, the image I, I hope that I portray with the cover is of, um, like a homey dinner right. being prepared. Like I have kind of sort of in the process. And that's really what I yeah. want to show people. It, it looks very warm. Feeling it looks I very warm, evoke, which is exactly which that's, is what that's exactly what I was going for. All right, uh, we'll do this quickly. And I remind everybody, Miriam Pascal is here. The cookbook's called "More Real Life Kosher Cooking." Uh, we're on Facebook.com/slash Nachum Siegel Network, and uh, we're going to do the desserts uh, that you'll find in the cookbook. This is what uh, Stacy Siegel designated as the ones, and, and this is what usually happens. Uh, she and others. Uh, we'll sit with the, my daughters, etc. We'll sit with the cookbook and decide. Hey, we got to try this. Got to try this. So here are the four or five that made the, that made the finals. Okay, <laughs> peanut butter tiramisu. Ooh, that's possibly my favorite dessert in the book. Is it as good as it looks? Yes. I mean, this is outrageous. If have you if you've never tried peanut butter and coffee together, it may sound crazy, but it works so well. And this dessert, it's it's amazing. All right. Then the next one, again, I think she had me in mind after 30 years married when she chose this one, caramel apple cookie pie. Oh, yeah? Three <laughs> of my favorite things, caramel, apple pie, and cookies all together in this recipe. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's that's excellent. I mean, what is it? It's like a really good crunchy apple pie? Um, no. So it's, it's more towards the cookie side than the apple pie. There's Got actual it. apple in it. There's caramel in it. Um, and it's kind of like a cross between a cookie and a and pie. And you use a caramel sauce on top also, right? Yes, yes. Good job there, uh, Miriam. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, what else does she have here? She has the uh, maple walnut frap. Uh, oh. And the drinks in general, even in the span of time that you've been putting out cookbooks, the drinks have become a really important part of dessert presentations, right? Um, yes. Yeah, so I actually, starting from my first cookbook, I included drink recipes. Nice. Um, for me, it's just because I love drinks. I love to, I mean, I have some cocktail recipes in there. Right. I love when people come to my house, I'm always going to offer you a cocktail. So to me, it's just natural. I have to put drink recipes in. And then she included in your cookie section, the peanut butter crinkle cookies. Uh, <laughs> I, I see a theme. <laughs> I cannot believe that she knows me for 30 years and did not put in the jumbo chocolate sea salt cookies because <laughs> those speak to me, boy. I mean, those <laughs> yeah, look they're... amazing. Candied pecan biscotti. We're a big biscotti family and okay, that looks like a great she, one. I hope she makes those soon. Yeah, hopefully is right. <laughs> so do I. And, and the butterscotch swirl bun cake. What is the uh, what is the base of that cake? That is a the butterscotch. Yeah. I mean, there's butterscotch chips. Right. Um, this cake is actually I created this recipe years ago. Um, this this recipe has a claim to fame. I was <laughs> commuting by bus and I fell asleep on the bus and I had a dream about a cake and I. I woke up, I got home, I made the cake, and this was the cake. I've made tweaks over the years. Your but... dream has come true. <laughs> and it, trust me, it's dreamworthy. By the way, um, uh, obviously you men I shouldn't say obviously, I don't know if everyone does this, you do mention uh, when a uh, in each recipe, if it's a meat dish, parv, it can be done right. parv or dairy. There's some you have that can be done yeah, parv or dairy, absolutely. right? absolutely. And you indicate what to leave in or out right. uh, when that happens. And we mentioned the notes, of course, and of course the plan ahead section. If I'm not mistaken, the plan ahead section is on every recipe, Every right? recipe. Every recipe book. has a plan Even ahead. if it tells you you can't make it ahead, that's still part of planning ahead. Because if you're making, let's say, a Shabbos meal and you know this has to be made last minute, you plan that into your preparations. So. And your baked salami rice reminded me that you can have salami with anything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it could be a great 
great side dish. Miriam Pascal, everybody. More real life kosher cooking, approachable recipes for memorable dishes. This is out. How many days? How many days has it been in about, about a week and a half? Is there an indication of anything yet, or it's hard to tell? Um, if people I, are knocking the doors I've in. heard from the salespeople at our school that the stores are reordering, which is a good sign Baruch in a short Hashem. time. And so, you know Hanukkah is approaching, obviously. Yes, it is a great gift. And there are going to be some cooks, male and female in families, who are going to expect this gift. <laughs> They're like already saying, well, I know what my relatives are going to be getting uh, me yeah, this year. Drop, time to drop some hints, right? <laughs> I don't even know if it's necessary. <laughs> Once the ad showed up, I don't even know if it's necessary. All right, before we wrap up, i got to take a look at the uh, app and... Uh, and um, and Facebook comments, which I will. I do. And by the way, how does this feel? How does this feel? Let me pull this out. How does this feel when you open up your newspaper, right? You open up and you see this. You open up a newspaper and you see your name with your cookbooks there and they're on sale. I, I think it's worth writing a book just yeah. for this. Just to <laughs> open up surreal. a newspaper and see that. Isn't that cool? You know, you know who, who finds it cooler than me, though? My mother. <laughs> <laughs> she really likes she, it. Huh? She would frame that as she could. <laughs> she thinks it's even cooler than you think it is. Um, all right, this listener says, I get that pictures add a lot to a cookbook, but what if some cookbook authors feel they need to write long stories with their recipes? Actually, you're not guilty of that, based on what I saw here. Um, no, but I, I do think that a little bit of story helps connect the reader to either understand why I made it, why you would make it. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a balance. I've seen cookbooks without any stories, and I don't think... I, I kind of feel that there's something missing, but I, I guess everybody has different priorities in a book, right? Interesting, yeah, and they're looking for different things. Uh, at this point, though, they know what to expect from yours, so it's not like it's, you know, I mean, at right. this point, they know exactly what to expect. Uh, can Miriam, meaning you, speak to what is the best cooking ware and pots and appliances to turn out the best product? Is there anything <laughs> that you've designated to be something special, or you use everything, basically? Um so I'm going to actually say the opposite. Instead of what's the best, I'm going to say what I don't like. I'm not into sets. I I got one set um, when I first set up my kitchen, and I don't love it. I feel that there's pieces I don't use, and I'm so much I so much prefer to buy individual pieces based on need. Interesting. So, Some people go for the look though that it's a set and the yeah. way and the way it's uh, you know. Well, you, you can buy you, matching pieces, but individually right. rather than. Just buy a set and hope that you'll find use for each one. Very cool. A listener, Frida, says, love your cookbooks. Got my three autographed copies. Boy, oh, boy. I can't let you leave before autographing it. That's for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to thank those who have been watching on Facebook and and, uh, no doubt the tens of thousands of Miriam's fans that are going to be checking out this interview at some point later on. And I thank you very, very much for being here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And I do want to mention one more time. I am. You're speaking now with somebody who's an expert at eating kosher food. Uh, today at ten thirty will be the show you're doing with Miriam Al Wallach because she's an expert at cooking kosher food. In fact, we'll, we, we'll see what her take is. We, you'll see. I'll tell you. She's uh, she's amazing, and she has this uh, unbelievable. I always tell her to write a cookbook and to get involved in the professional world of cooking. But I don't know. I guess she likes network radio a lot better. A lot better. What can I tell you, uh, Miriam Pascal? Uh, if you go to the website artscroll.com, you get twenty percent off. And free shipping if you use the promo code radio between now and Sunday. And I thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for checking out the video, everybody, at facebook.com slash Network. That'll be available forever. And, of course, check out the archive section of NahumSiegel.com to hear this conversation in its entirety. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.